Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves. In the program this week, the New Zealand Test teams named for the West Indies. Netballer Liana Leota reveals her Commonwealth Games aspirations and more athletes are confirmed for Glasgow. We catch up with the caddy Steve Williams after the Masters and talk to the boxer Alex Leopai in the lead-up to his fight against Vladimir Klitschko. The Otago off-spinner Mark Craig and the Wellington wicket-keeper Luke Ronke are the two new caps named in the 15-strong New Zealand Test cricket squad for the upcoming tour of the West Indies. The selectors have opted for two spinners, two all-rounders and only three pace bowlers in what are likely to be spin-friendly conditions in the Caribbean. Coach Mike Hessen says the 27-year-old Craig provides a nice balance with the leg spinner Ish Sodi. Craig took 22 wickets for Otago in the Plunkett Shield and Hessen says he'll be valuable against the West Indies' top order, which is predominantly left-handed. Hessen confirmed that Daniel Vittori wasn't available for the tour, saying he felt his bowling loads were not yet up to the intensity of Test cricket, while the Wellington off-spinner Jeetan Patel, who's playing for the English county side Warwickshire, was also unavailable for personal reasons. Hessen spoke to Stephen Hewson about the team. It'd be fair to say he's been fast-tracked. Mark's in our winter squad and, and was going to go on next, you know, the long version form of New Zealand A, but with Cheaton being unavailable, um, you know, Mark's got his opportunity. So, yeah, he's, I know he's excited and I think, he, you know, he's got the skills to deliver for us. Being a little bit older, 27, that, will that help? Oh, I think so. I think um, he's a relatively mature character, but, um, you know, as I said, he's, he's been fast-tracked and, and it could be the making of him. Um, you know, genuine off spinner who's got um ability to get good players out, you know, through the air and off the pitch. Um and he's also capable with the bat and, and a, a very good uh, catcher as well. So um he's like I said, he's been fast tracked, but um, you know, I think I think he'll do well. When did you learn that Jeetan Patel wasn't going to be available? Um, or oh, just in in the recent past really. I mean we, we let players you know, you know, Bruce um myself we let players know sort of a couple of days out. Um so when the team's announced that you know, that they know, obviously. Um, and Jeeton, you know, had to think about things and, and then came back to us and, um, you know, for his own personal reasons, he's made himself unavailable. So, you know, we had to move pretty quickly on that and hence Mark got the call. That must have come as a surprise to you that, that he made himself unavailable, did it? Uh, well, I think once Bruce, you know, made the initial contact and it was all, you know, Jeeton had to work through a few things. He's, you know, he's, as I said, very much his, his own personal decision, but... Yes, like I said, as soon as we moved, we felt we needed another off-spinner, and Mark certainly um, you know, provides that option for us. Is that likely to hamper Jeetan Patel's return to the side at a, at a later point? Oh, look, we'll, we'll deal with that, I guess, along the line, but he's got his, his reasons for making his decision, and, and we fully appreciate and understand those. So, you know, we just have to, we have to move on, and Mark Craig's probably been fast-tracked a little quicker than was planned, but it could be a good opportunity for him. 
you've gone uh, brought Luke Ronke in as simply simply as backup. Yeah, simply as backup. I mean, we've um, you know we've allowed Tom Latham to to concentrate on opening a batting, um, and you know, in what will be a contestable position. So um, we didn't want to blur that with um, him having to focus on being a backup keeper in, in foreign conditions. And I think also with the amount of spin that we're likely to face if if BJ um, was to get injured, uh, you know, we see Luke as our second best keeper. Uh, a word on Dan Vittori. I mean, he's obviously still floating around. Yeah, look, we didn't consider Dan for this because of the amount of overs um, he wouldn't be able to bowl leading up to the Test Series. And, um, you know, for Dan to, to come to a Test match with, with a limited amount of bowling would, would put him at injury risk again. So um, I think the right decision was made to not consider him for the, the Test Series. And, you know, there's still plenty of cricket to be played over the next 12 months. Uh, where is he at injury-wise and recovery-wise? Um, he's not injured at the moment. He's, his strength and conditioning-wise, he, he's in very good shape. He's just, um, you know, he's just short of bowling, so he's over at the IPL at the moment. Um, obviously, performing a, a coaching role over there, and will be able to do some bowling. But I think to to expect him to to get his bowling loads up to being able to bowl in a Test match is just unrealistic. Given the World Cup and everything coming up, there's it's that's obviously the target for him. Yeah, we've still got you know close to 21 day internationals before the World Cup even starts, so. Plenty of opportunities there, um, you know, leading up to that. And um, assuming Dan, you know, shows that he's he's fit enough and able, then you know he'll get some opportunities during that time. Jesse Ryder, Doug Bracewell. I mean, they obviously weren't considered because of their, their disciplinary records. Oh, look, we've you know we've met with both players and they've you know got a plan in place in terms of what they need to do and and show you know us as selectors to to get that confidence back you know with them. So. Um, there hasn't been enough time for that to to occur, but they're um, you know, they're certainly making some good progress. Have you put a timeline in place and sort of said to them, "Listen, we're not going to consider you for selection up until a particular point." No, we haven't, and and we'll sort of treat each case individually. Um, I don't think we want to put a time frame on on anything like that. It's it's a matter of working through, you know, where that what they need to to work on to to get that confidence back, and um, you know, when they're able to do that, then the time will be right. They're going to be quite a, a different proposition, aren't they, the West Indies on, on, in the Caribbean? Well, I think we saw last time uh, went over there, Narayan, and uh, obviously played a huge part in that test series where um, we got beaten 2-0 over there the last time we toured there. So conditions will be completely um, different to what they were over here, um, hence the configuration of our squad is, is quite different. Um, we expect to face a lot of spin and, and play on a lot of slow wickets. The former Black Cap spinner Deepak Patel has coached Mark Craig since he was seven years old and is confident he'll perform well at test level. He's a product of, uh, of how Pakarangra Cricket Club uh, coaching programs that we've had in place and I've followed, uh, obviously, uh, his, his career and uh, and obviously in the last two or three years since he's been playing first-class cricket and he spends a fair bit of time in between seasons or between games and he pops in and we generally have a good chat and do some work on his bowling and, and batting. So, look, uh, yeah, no, he, he, his progression has been uh, very steady but uh, very assured at times too, which is uh, pleasing from, from that perspective. I understand you switched him from a medium pacer to a spinner. <laughs> That's right, yeah. That, no, that was many years ago, mind you. That I think that was when he was probably about 10 or 11 years old. So... Uh, he always showed the potential. He was always keen to show me that he could spin the ball. And uh, from from a very young age, he, he was a very natural spinner of the ball. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I certainly encouraged it. And uh, he, he he took the 
the advice and he's and it's proved <laughs> fruitful for him. Yeah, definitely. As a spinner, what does he particularly excel at? Oh, look, I, I think that he's a, he's a big spinner of the ball, um, which is a great attribute. It's not something you can teach kids. Some kids have it and some don't. Uh, but he, he was always, from a very young age, he, he spun the ball nicely and naturally. Um, there are a lot of first-class batters that I've spoken around the country who have faced him over the last 18 months, particularly the last two years, and they reckon he is the most difficult to face. And uh, I think that what I mentioned before, the fact that he can spin the ball with a lot of revs and the extra bounce he gets, um, uh, yeah, that will hold him in good stead in, at international level. How do you think he'll go in making that, that step up? I, I suppose at 27, he, he's, he's, no, he's not young on the, on the scene. 27 is about the right age to pick a spinner. I think that he, he's had to do it the hard way. It's never been easy for him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he'll go well. Um, you know, It's always a big ask to be successful in your first uh, tour or first test match, whatever it's going to be for him. But uh, no, if he's allowed to grow into the game, the particular international level, uh, I've got very high hopes of him being successful at that level. You mentioned too there that things haven't come easy for him, are you able to enlarge on that? Well, look, yeah, I think that he's always been behind the eight ball through age group teams. He's never been the one that's uh, has he been earmarked as a, as a potential spinner. Uh, I've never had any doubt that he, he could be successful. He's been one of these kids that never really had the opportunities uh, to, uh, to to excel. And I think that over the last two years, he, he's had to work bloody hard to, for him to get uh, the opportunities at the crease to bowl and I think uh, you know if we if, if we look at a good spinner he needs to be bowling lots and I think that's probably the first time this year that he's had that opportunity and uh, and I think the, the results have proven. Former New Zealand cricketer Deepak Patel. The former Silver Fern Liana Leota is looking forward to returning to the court for the Central Pulse in just four weeks after giving birth and says she still has Commonwealth Games aspirations. Leota had her third child in England, where her rugby-playing husband is based, but reunited with the Pulse last week. The wing attack has been unavailable for Silver Fern selection since late 2011, and pulled out of national trials in August last year, but still has an eye on Glasgow. Bridget Tunnicliffe asked her what it's been like re-entering the fray. Just seeing the new faces and, and getting used to um, new new people in the environment but no I think netball's always been netball I do think it's getting faster like the girls are getting faster fitter and stronger so the game's definitely changing but no netball's netball you catch pass and put it through the hoop at the end of the day and what was the most pleasing aspect about those last two wins first the magic and then the steel oh I think it, it gives the team confidence I suppose momentum going forward especially um off the you know the first couple of losses you know you sort of get your head down but I think for the girls they've um, really found form and, and come together as a team well that's what it looks like from an outsider looking in and yeah I think um, they've just come away on leaps and bounds and hopefully they keep going. Do you think maybe the expectations around the team were possibly a bit too unrealistic and people had to realise that it would take time for the likes of Irene Van Dyke and Donna Wilkins to start gelling? Definitely, I suppose with new combinations, they haven't played together since, you know, Donna was a silver fern. So definitely it does take time. And I think, like Robbie's been saying, that they need to take little steps in time 
put time on their side and they'll come together. But hopefully once that happens and you can sort of start to see, you know, those little connections coming, they're, they're going to be um, a formidable um, pairing, those two. As sort of an outsider, well, a semi-outsider who was watching <laughs> those first early games, what did you make of those sort of up-and-down results? I think it was nerves, combinations, just getting getting that trust there, you know, especially at the start of the season, you try to push push each other a little too far sometimes. So it's just finding feet, um, finding a rhythm and a structure that works well with them, and I think that's what they're doing now. And how are you feeling personally? How soon do you think you might get back on the court? Uh, well, for me, I'd say the Vixens game, even if it's just to sit on the bench and watch and, you know, you know um, come on if, if needed. But I think Robbie's just going to take it step by step. I feel good. I'm nowhere near ANZ level, but I think with my knowledge and experience and suppose passion for the game would, would get me through a quarter or two. But um yeah, we'll take it bit by bit, but definitely um, um, I want to be out there just to even help in, in a small capacity. And I understand you watched the games in England and you yeah. made notes and you were still in contact with uh, Robin and some of the girls quite a regular basis. Yeah, I think being so far away, I still wanted to be part of the team and, you know, uh, with the new faces, they knew who I was or that, you know, they could hear my voice all my all my debriefing messages. So, yeah, for me, it was just keeping connected. I didn't want to come here and be 10 steps behind. I wanted to be, you know, right there next to them. So I suppose that was more, more the key to keep connected while I was so far away. The last two games, the win over the Magic and the win over Steel, you could really see Robin, just by the look of her face, she was really pleased with what she saw. And it was like trademark Robin Broughton, patience on attack and a really um, unrelenting zone defence. Has she really been hammering that home recently? I think so. Well, today in training and yesterday it was pretty much um, similar to what you've just said. Uh, well, like always, if you've got the ball and the other team doesn't, you know, they're going to soon bite at the chomp and, and holes will open. So that's what she's saying. That's what she said for how many years with the steel and the sting. So I think it's a great game plan. I think sometimes you need to let the ball go, but you know when it comes to those crucial minutes just before the end of the game, you've got to be able to have that patience and play that style if, if you want to win. So that, And that's what we want to do. Obviously your priority now is the pulse. Do you yeah. still have Silver Fern's aspirations at the back of your mind? Oh, definitely. I think I will always have it. It's just something, you know, when I wake up every morning, I think, breathe, eat, netball. So it's always going to be there. Uh, Physically, I don't think I'm nowhere near international level. But, you know, if I got the opportunity, um, I'd definitely take it. But, yeah, I just want to get out there for the pulse. And then if I can perform and get, get, you know, at least match fitness or a whole game in, well, then definitely I'd want to be there. But, you know... um, for me, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> I think with Timmy Para Bailey's retirement, it really reminded people how crucial the wing attack position is. And we've had a few people have a go at that position yeah. for the Silver Ferns over the past year or two. And so I guess there is a bit of competition building. Who do you see probably as the main contenders for that position for the Silver Ferns? Um, I think, well, for me, it will probably be Millie and Shannon, only because they're getting week in, week out, and I suppose Grace now, um, week in, week out um, time at those at wing attack. You know, most of the times the wing attacks have been backup centres or, you know, people that can play centre, whereas now they're actually getting specialist wing attacks that are getting, you know, more game time there. So, 
yeah, that's the best thing for me, knowing, like, you know, for me being a specialised wing attack, you have to have game time after game time because it's such a specialised position and it's it's not something you can just walk into and, and, and take the bib, you know, it's quite, it's quite a hard job. So definitely those three are, are putting their hands up. That's Liana Leota. The New Zealand track cycling team has high expectations for the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, aiming to match or better their nine-medal haul from Delhi four years ago. A 14-strong team has been announced along with five triathletes to compete at the Games in July. The track cycling team is an experienced one, with only one rider who's yet to compete at an Olympic Games or World Championships. The world champion sprint team of Ethan Mitchell, Sam Webster and Eddie Dawkins is spearheading the track contingent, while fellow world championship medalists Simon van Velthoven, Tom Scully and Mark Ryan have also been included. Bike NZ's high performance director Mark Elliott says he believes the entire team has the potential to finish on top of the podium in Glasgow. Their job's made easier without track cycling powerhouses Germany and France to contend with, but Elliot's still wary of the threat of their traditional Commonwealth rivals. We've selected the team based on the fact they can win medals, but we're also aware that our greatest competitors in cycling, Australia, Great Britain, are also in this uh, hunt as well. So you know, I guess that's a great stimulus. You, know, you don't turn up to Commonwealth Games um, thinking that you're going to get yourself on the podium. Uh, we're going to have to work for it, and we're going to have to step up from what we've done at the World Champs this year, but that's why we've selected these riders, because they're thinking the same thing. The sprint team's expecting to have a target on its back after its breakthrough World Champs win earlier this year, and is looking to go one better than the silver medal won in Delhi in 2010. Eddie Dawkins says they're happy to deal with the added pressure of being the world's best team. But that's how it should be. You know, If you're going to be best in the world, you've got to prepare to to fight off all challenges, so that's what we're going there to do. We're going in there, guns blazing, and hoping to come away with the win. It'd be pretty disappointed if we went there and came away with a silver or a bronze or even no medal. For the triathletes, the expectations aren't quite as high, but the team's still hoping to leave Scotland with some hardware, with the sport back on the programme after not being included in Delhi. The inclusion of the mixed relay for the first time may offer the team's best hope of a medal after New Zealand picked up a silver in the event at the World Championships last year. However, the Triathlon New Zealand High Performance Director Graham Moore says they can produce in the individual events, despite average results on the world stage in recent years. We know that we want to go there and, and be a genuine threat, um, and mostly very happy about the determination of the team. We know there's a little gap there for us to get onto the podium, um, and a real commitment from these guys to, to close that gap. Graham Moore says the task won't be made easier by a strong field set to take the start line in Glasgow, with four of the six medalists at the recent World Series event in Auckland from Commonwealth Nations. The world number five Andrea Hewitt remains New Zealand's top chance at an individual medal, and she's expecting a challenge for all the athletes after looking at the course last year. It's a tough course, it's got some hills and the better results I have are on hillier courses. Like London, the Olympics didn't really suit me at all and that was dead flat and so I guess it does suit me in Glasgow. The New Zealand Olympic Committee also named a nine-strong shooting team today, including the Delhi gold medalists Mike Collings and John Snowden. Around 200 New Zealand athletes are expected to compete across the 17 sports in Glasgow. The New Zealand golf caddy Steve Williams, long regarded as the game's top bagman, hopes he hasn't made his last appearance at the Masters. 50-year-old Williams, who teamed up with Tiger Woods for all but one of his major victories, was on the bag for the defending champion Adam Scott at Augusta National this year. I spoke to him about his future and asked for his thoughts on Bubba Watson's impressive win. 
it's no surprise to me to see Bubba win two green jackets. Um, he's won two of the last three years. You know, some players get an affinity with a course that just suits them, and I can see this course suits Bubba very well. This week, the greens are very firm and fast, as everyone could see uh, that was watching it. And Bubba's game is just suited. He hits the ball as high as anybody to play in the game. He hits it as long as anybody's playing the game. And, you know, it's, it's of course, you know, it's well suited to him. So, you know, fantastic win. He's a fantastic player and, 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 a, and a great guy to watch play. So, you know, I think he keeps a, a lot of people interested in the game. He's a guy that takes no lessons and has his own style, just stands up and, he, you know, he rips it. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people enjoy watching him play golf. Yeah, and also being a left-hander now, that six of the last 12 have been won by left-handers. You probably know the course as well as anyone. What... What is it that obviously makes it suit a left-hander's eye? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there's this, this thought um, that you know you have to hook the ball. So you know, obviously, a left-hander um, when he moves the ball from you know to left to right, it's a hook-shaped flight, but not not a hook for a left-hander. But you know, I think that's a bit of a fallacy. I think just you know, I mean, there's no reason or rhyme why left-handers have won it. It's just that. Uh, you know, Nicholson's one of the greatest players that plays the game. He just happens to be left-handed. He can win tournaments anywhere. So, it's, yeah, I think that's just a stat that's just, you know, unusual, but there's no sort of rhyme or reason for it. And um, obviously watching on TV, it looked like the uh, the course and everything looked brilliant at always. It, um, it must always be special for you uh, getting to go back there. Yeah, hey, I mean, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic tournament, and every year just... The facility changes, and um, you know it's constantly changing for the better. And so, you know, hey, look, it's an amazing event, and there's always um, a lot of excitement at Augusta on Sunday. And it's, you know, it's just an exciting event. You know, it's one of those tournaments that you know it's a, it's a privilege to be able to caddy in it, and you know, it's an even bigger privilege to caddy for some guys that have won the tournament. Yeah, and uh, so are you likely to be giving it a crack next year, or is this? Is that your last uh, last uh, standard, Augusta? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll have to decide that at the end of the year. So uh, we'll just wait and see. I'd, ideally, if it's, if it's in a perfect world next year, I'd like to carry part-time, but you know, I'm going to make that decision at the end of the year. Right, so that would it, wouldn't necessarily be for Adam then if you were doing it part-time? Uh, if I was to do it part-time, I'd like to do it for Adam, but you know, we, look, we, we, our... our goal this year is just to focus on those four major tournaments and once those four the PJs completed in August uh, then we'll start discussing what the plans for the future but for me I'd like to just caddy six months out of the year, I'm not interested in doing it full time after this year so we'll just wait and see to the end of the year and how that pans out. I saw a comment from Bubba saying that he'd be happy for um, them to just keep alternating giving each other the jersey next year. You think um, Scott will will be there or thereabouts again next year? Yeah, he likes the course. So, um, I mean, he's played he's played well the last four years. So, you know, he, he, what I think the more... It's one of those courses, you know, you, you, you've got to... You know, realistically, you have to be able to hit the ball long um, and, and you've got to hit it high. You know, of course, there's always exceptions to the rule, but... If, once you get comfortable with a course and you play there enough times and you know that you can do well in that course, it's, it's, it's unusual, you know, obviously because this tournament is the only major that you come back every year. But once you get comfortable with the course and you learn how to play the course properly and you learn all the different things because it's a course that you're constantly learning. But once you get it sort of figured out at such, 
um, you know, you play there on a regular basis and you play well. You know, there's a lot like, you know, look at Phil Mickelson, okay, this week you, you, you missed the cut, but he's played, you know, he plays well here every year. There's some guys that are just always up there every year that play well here because there's, just, you know, there's a lot of local knowledge here and you learn all the tricks of the course. So, you know, he, he'll, he could be a genuine contender here for a number of years for sure. What, what's been the biggest change, I guess, for Adams in your time working with him when he's gone from being a guy who's obviously a great golfer and a lot of potential to a guy who's now consistently thought of as someone that people sort of expect to win at these majors? Not Obviously, you don't expect people to win in golf, but you give him a chance in every tournament he plays. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's just, you know, he's got a plan in place and he's prioritised these major championships as tournaments that he wants to perform well in. And in order to perform well, you've got to, you've got to have a platform to work off. And I think he's, you know, come to realise what that platform is. Um, it's a platform that a lot of the great players from the past have worked on. And you know, he, he's built himself that platform, got himself a schedule uh, and a practice routine that um, builds towards those tournaments. That's trying, you know, he's trying to peak for one of those four, or you know, four tournaments out of the year, trying to peak for. So, you know, he, he's done a fairly nice job of that in the last couple of years. And that, that's um, that's the, the big improvement. For the first time in uh, 20 years, having a Masters without Tiger there, was, was there any different feeling among the players or anything at all or around Augusta, the fact that a guy who's so synonymous with the place for the last 20 years wasn't there? Well, I mean, I, th- I think it was, you know, it was unusual that, or that you didn't have Phil and Tiger playing on the weekend there. I mean, they're two guys that play here uh, on a regular basis, and they play well here. So, but no, look, look, it's a special tournament, and you know, Tiger's a fantastic player, and it's unfortunate he didn't get the opportunity to participate in the tournament this year. But um, you know, one one player didn't hold the tournament. Um, you know, it's, like I said, it's unusual not to see his name on the leaderboard. But um, you know, it was a you know, with or without him, it's always a fantastic event. You know, and certainly when he plays in it creates a lot more interest as he does in all the tournaments he plays in but you know Phil Mickelson uh, has equally you know impressive a record here as, as Tiger and it's, you know, it's unusual that you know Phil and Tiger were missing on the weekend this year. That's the golf caddy Steve Williams. The Samoa born boxer Alex Leopai says he's never been as well prepared for a fight as he is for next weekend's world heavyweight bout against the Ukrainian Vladimir Klitschko. Klitschko hasn't lost for a decade and will put the WBA, IBF, WBO, IBO and the Ring heavyweight championship titles on the line in Germany. Leopai told Vinnie Wiley he couldn't have asked for a better build-up. You know, we've got two more heavy sparring sessions uh, left before we shoot off on Saturday, but everything's going to plan and uh, just injury-free and just looking forward to um, April 27th. Do you feel as prepared as you can be? I think this is the best of... Uh, Preparation I've had ever since I've fought, you know, like I, this is the first time I've um, been able to train full time. I normally, uh, even in my last fight, I even uh, I even was still working and training, you know, and I was fighting for World Title Eliminator. But uh, this fight, training full time, and uh, everything's falling the plan. And of course, it's the biggest fight you've ever had. It's probably the most media attention you've ever had. You know, it, it doesn't get any bigger than this fighting for a world title against one of the Klitschko, uh, you know, brothers. I mean. What's your mindset going into this? Look, to be honest, I'm just looking. At this is just just another uh, just another fight. 
you know, I, I don't want to think too hard about it because we're not fighting the fight now. It is the world champion of this era. So um really looking forward to to getting over there and, and doing what I do best. And um, it's not going to be easy, but um, anything is possible, you know. So now we just gotta just gotta fix up these little 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 things now with the two more sparring left and um just look forward to leaving on Saturday, get over there and base over there. And you said uh, no injuries, obviously you had the uh, neck uh, which uh, cut one of your sessions short a few days ago, no no issues there? No, everything's spot on, you know, um even the neck was just a little niggle but um you know, right now too close to the fire, you know, every little thing, you know, we just gotta be spot on it, you know. So uh, no everything's hundred percent now and uh, no, I just, uh, like I said, we've got two more little sparring sessions left. Yeah, and then we should get ready to, to leave on Saturday. And there's obviously a lot of people supporting you uh, back in Samoa, where you were born, in Australia, where you are now, and you know, sort of uh, came to prominence. And, of course, you spent time in New Zealand as well. Uh, so a lot of uh, fans and supporters in, in this part of the world. What what motivates you? For me, it's, um, I've got an opportunity now to, um, to, you know, to make mum and dad proud. You know, uh, I've done a, you know, a few bad things in my past. You know, and um, you know, drugs and alcohol and prison and all that stuff. And um, you know, still today, it still haunts me. You know, every time I think about mum and dad at court, you know, when when I was um, sentenced to jail, you know, and to see mum and dad break down, it's, it's you know, I still can't get it out of my head. But I've got a chance now to put a smile on my parents' face, you know, and um, and just make them proud. And not just that, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Samoa. Will you have family in Germany with you watching the fight? Or I know sometimes you know family members don't like to watch you know these sorts of sports sometimes because it's too hard. Will they be watching? Yeah, well, I'm taking mum and dad over there, and all my brothers are going as well, and plus uh, my aunties and and some of the uncles. So you know, my, you know, I'm really happy they're going to support you know in the fight. But uh, my main focus now is um, is just bringing it home, you know, bringing that gold home. And uh, Klitschko's come out and said he's keen to trade punches with you, and and I think you're pretty keen uh, for that to happen as well. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Well, I'm, I'm pretty keen. I'm pretty keen to um, trade punches with Klitschko because um, he's never traded with anybody, with, with, you know, with, with the same power as me. You know, and um, honestly, once he feels what what I've got, uh, I believe his game plan is going to go out the window, and he's going to uh, he's going to change to another plan. So. Um, He's going to think twice about uh, trading punches with me. And, and what is the support of your uh, compatriots, the likes of, uh, you know, Pia Wolfgram from Tonga and, of course, David Tua from New Zealand and Samoa? They've come out in, in your corner and supported you. What, is, what does that mean to you? I'm just happy they've got the whole Pacific, you know, and uh, you know, we've got all the, the boys from different um, islands, you know, and they're all wishing me well on this fight. It just goes to show that even though I'm, I'm from that side, I'm from Samoa, and, but... Um, even the the islands, they all under you know all protect I'm representing them all. So, um, like I said, hopefully uh, April twenty seven, I can uh, make them all proud too. Is there any element of nerves at all? Nah, for me there's no nerves at all. You know, I just feel all the hard work's done, and uh, it's just a matter of getting in the ring. You know, um, and just just do what do what I've been training for for the last three months. You know, and um, I feel that everything should fall to plan. But um, all the hard work's done. Just got two more heavy sparring sessions left for this week, and uh, everything should be good. If you could write the end of this script uh, for this uh, this bout, this story, this uh, moment of your life, how would it end? Oh, mate, it's going to end up uh, uh, me knocking uh, Klitschko out, you know, the great Klitschko. 
and um, not only that, uh, I'm just uh, bringing it home for for you know Samoa and New Zealand and, and Australia and uh, the boy who um, that come out of nowhere and and stopped the, the great Kaluska, and uh, they realise he's from this side of the world. And you believe in your heart of hearts that that's what you're going to do. That's what we're going to do, mate. That's why they call me the Lionheart. The Samoan-born boxer Alex Leopai. That's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. I'm Alex Coogan-Reeves, and we'll be back with more extra time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.